The thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyal Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Come with me to the book of Matthew chapter 20. Let's get into the word of God this morning. Are you ready for the word of God? Yes. Matthew 20 verse 20 to 28. Let's look at it. The Bible said, Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with their sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. 21. What is your request? He asked. She replied, In your kingdom. Somebody say, In your kingdom. Say, in your kingdom. This woman comes to Jesus with her two sons and is coming to make a request. And the request she's making is going to be in the kingdom of God. He says, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on the left. Wow, this woman loved her children. He says, the best places, the left and the right, I want it to be occupied, my children, in your kingdom. I like people who can make some bold requests. I don't know what you think about it, but that was a bold request. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given, seek and it shall find. There are some people too, if you ask them to ask, ask for something, they'll just say anything. Praise God. But you realize that God does not deal with us on anything basis. Jabez went to God, he said, oh God, bless me indeed and lard my coast. Let thy hand be upon me. That I may not cause pain, that it may not grieve me. The Bible said, and the Lord granted him that which he requested. May the Lord grant you every request of your heart in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, so that was the request. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, We are able. Talk it cheap. Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from the bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right. On my left, my father has prepared those places for the ones he's chosen. Are you not glad you are among the ones that are chosen? The Bible says you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Somebody say, I am glad. I am am God's choice. choice. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Did they have a reason to be indignant? Eh? You think so? I don't think so. Is that them, they've gone to ask what they want. You too can go and ask what you want. There are people who sometimes just get worried. They won't pray big prayers. They won't believe God for good things. And when other people receive good things, then they sit down and be talking about them. You don't have to ask and it shall be given. They have asked. If you have been given to them, they would have gotten it. And you are angry. Look at that. The Bible says they got angry. Jesus called them together and said, now you know why they got angry? It's because they were equally interested in the same positions. That's why they were angry. It burned them that they were not the first to ask. That's why they were angry. And Jesus told them, okay. That's why Jesus called all of them together. He said, I want to address you people. I think you all have one problem. 
you, you like books. Come. <laughs> he said, you know that the rulers in the world, the Lord it over their people. And officials flung their authority over those under them. Verse 26. But among you, it will be different. Somebody say, among you. Among say, among you, among it will be different. Whoever wants to be leader among you must first be yourself. Now listen, Jesus here introduced how things work in his kingdom. The woman's request was, I want my children to sit, one on your right, one on my left, in your kingdom. And Jesus said, in my kingdom, to sit on my right or my left, you have to get there by service. He says, things are done differently. And that is the focus of this teaching. The focus of this teaching is to help you appreciate that things are done differently in the kingdom of God. When you got born again, you were translated. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 to 14. He said, giving thanks unto the Father who had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He said, who had translated us, delivered us and translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son or the son of his love. King James says, the kingdom of his dear son. Somebody say, I'm in the kingdom, in the kingdom. of his dear son. Say it, I'm in the kingdom of his dear son. So you see, that is why I'm spending time teaching you what is available for you in Christ. Because now, you are not in the kingdom of darkness. You are in the kingdom of God's dear son. And in the kingdom, you need to know how things work in the kingdom. Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And so you need to know how to engage the keys of the kingdom. And so we've been exploring what we briefly captioned kingdom culture. Somebody say kingdom culture. We define culture as behavioral patterns which governs life in any society or setting where God's rule and influence is embraced. In a place, if you go to a home where God's rule and influence is embraced, there's a way people behave. If you come to a place where God is Lord, there's a way things are done. Kingdom culture refers to the sum of attitudes. Somebody say the sum of attitudes. Sum of attitudes, values, beliefs, customs that distinguishes citizens of God's kingdom from others. When two people meet, my brother here is a Nigerian, elder is a Ghanaian. When they begin to speak, you will know. Why will you know? There is something about them that will tell them this one is from Niger, this one is from Ghana. Please take your seat. Now, you see, that's how it is. When we are in the kingdom of God, there are things that must distinguish us and set us apart. And that is what we can talk about as kingdom culture. Praise God. When we manifest it, people will see that truly we are citizens of God's kingdom. Now, we are looking at the culture of honor. That's what I started with. Somebody said the culture of honor. And there are several cultures we'll be looking at. But the culture of honor is what we are looking at. Romans chapter 13 verse 7. Let's all read it together. Romans 13 verse 7. Let's all read it together. One go. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Somebody say honor. To whom honor. But he says, render unto all men what is due them. Then he begins to talk about things. He says, taxes to whom taxes is due. Now listen, when we see God put taxes together with honor, it means that we don't have a choice in the matter. When it comes to honor, you don't have a choice in it. You don't pay taxes because you want to pay. In fact, all of us, if you ask us, the holiday they've given the doctors this year, how many of you would like to have it? Tax holiday, lift up your hands. Even they gave you the one year tax holiday, that money alone can make a significant difference. Based on what you are receiving a month, some people's one year tax holiday can buy a plot of land. 
So taxes is something that we all don't like, but we are all obligated to pay. Now, that is the same way the Bible says we ought to honor. Render unto all men taxes. And then he said, honor to whom honor is due. At the foundational teaching, I showed you what it means to honor. To honor is to show great respect or disposition to a person. To honor is to treat a person as special, valuable, or different. In part one, we looked at six truths about honor. Some say six truths about honor. Say six truths about honor. First, we said honor is what? Visible. Somebody say honor is visible. In other words, when you go to a place and there's honor in the place, you see it. When I come to your home and there's honor in your home, I will see it. The way your children talk, the way your hall has been organized, everything will be seen. Even if you live in a single room as a person and you are a person of honor, when I enter your room, I should see it. Because you see, when we talk about honor, we are looking for who to honor. But among many things, one of the persons you must learn to honor is yourself. Because when you learn to honor yourself, it's easy to honor others. When you speak good words to yourself, you will find it very difficult to speak hateful and bad words to others. Honor is visible. Number two, honor is contagious. Somebody says contagious. Yeah, honor is contagious. And when you have somebody who is dishonoring around you, you have to break that association. That relationship will not help you. Because anybody you closely associate with, you consciously or unconsciously imbibe their values and their attitudes. The Bible says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, a companion of who shall be destroyed. Honor is contagious. Number three, we said honor is in degrees. Somebody say in degrees. Two people cannot be honored the same way. A child who comes first in class, the honor we are called such a child is not the same honor we will give to a five-star general who goes to battle and comes back with victory. Am I communicating? They are being honored, but on a different scale altogether. The honor we give to God is certainly not the same honor we can give to a president. Am I communicating? God is way above. The president is the creator of God. God is the creator. So, honor is in degrees. And then number four, we said honor is better appreciated in a person's lifetime. In a person's what? Lifetime. In a person's lifetime than in death. Don't wait for someone to die. Then you write long, glowing tributes about a person. I don't like it at all. I believe that one of the places people demonstrate a lot of hypocrisy is at funerals. Yeah, funerals. A lot of people, people who were not even talking with you, all of a sudden they will come and be crying at your funeral. It's a very sad thing. And now I understand that people who can even be hired to come and cry. Next time when you go for a funeral, be careful when you want to cry. Because it's not everybody who is crying for free. Some are crying for a fee. Yeah. So, so as their tears are falling, money is filling their pocket. So when ah, listen, be careful. Praise God. So honor must be done. If there's anybody that we need to honor, honor the person while the person is alive. Because when the person dies, he doesn't appreciate anything you do. Number five, honor is not cheap. Somebody say, honor is not cheap. Honor is not cheap. If you want to honor a person, you have to understand that honor is not cheap. When the woman came, she came with a valuable alabaster box and broke it. Most times, people do things for people and they think they've honored them. But when you go into the bottom of it, you don't see real honor. Praise God. Real honor will always cost you something. Praise God. Real honor will cost you something. Real honor will cost. 
And then, of course, the culture of honor does not just happen. Somebody say the culture of honor does not just happen. It will not just happen. It will not happen by osmosis. It will not happen by diffusion. You have to consciously cultivate it. One of the cultures that is not natural with man is the culture of honor. When man fell, he lost the virtue of honor. Praise God. So we have to consciously learn how to honor. You can disrespect somebody consciously or accidentally, but you can't honor a person accidentally. You have to be deliberate. Praise God. Deliberate about it. And then, of course, we talked about six reasons why we must create and embrace the culture of honor. One, we said because honor, the culture of honor is the culture of heaven. Somebody says the culture of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. So the culture we must reflect is the culture of our home country, which is heaven. So that's the first thing. Number two, we said we must honor because honor is a divine commandment. Somebody say divine commandment. God commands us to honor. The Bible says, honor all people. Honor your father and your mother that I may be well with you. Number three, we said we must honor because honor is a conduit. Somebody say a conduit. A conduit is like a pipe through which virtue flows. Any person you honor, virtue will flow to, from them to you. Any time you honor a person, virtue will flow from them to you. When they honored Jesus, virtue flowed. When they dishonored him, the Bible said he could dare not do mighty works. Why? Because he was not dis- he was dishonored. So, a conduit for the flow of supernatural power. Number four, honor communicates. Somebody say, honor communicates. Honor communicates. And one of the things honor communicates is love. Most of the time, we claim we love a person. But if you genuinely love a person, you will honor them. You will treat them with honor, dignity, and respect. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 11, love one another with brotherly affection. I'll do one another in showing honor. I like this. In other words, be competitive when it comes to honoring one another. May this become the spirit of the church. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Of course, number five, we said honor convicts. And then number six, we said honor carries. Honor carries great dividends. Today, my teaching is titled The Roll Call of Honor. Somebody say The Roll Call of Honor. The Roll Call of Honor. How many of you remember Roll Call? Roll Call, Roll Call, Roll Call, Roll Call. Secondary school, Abby? They'll make Roll Call. Roll Call, Roll Call. And we'll be tired. If the house master is a wild one and the Roll Call is made and you are not there, but today you'll be on God's roll. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says, render therefore to all their due, Romans 13, 7. All their due, taxes to whom taxes, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So, who are those that we ought to honor? That's what we want to look at under the roll call. The roll call simply refers to a list of persons we are instructed from God's word to honor. Number one is God. Somebody say God. God. The first person we must honor and must honor above everyone else is God. Somebody say God. That's what the Bible says. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Honor. Honor begins with our honor for God. Now come with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 27 to 30. Let's read something there. Very interesting passage. The man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I... Now please, please, please follow this reading. God had already made an earlier promise. And because of this honor, God is about to change his mind. 
That's how powerful honor is. The man of God came to Eli and said to him, That says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Look at verse 29. Why did you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my dwelling place and honor your sons more than me? That's what I'm telling you. That God's honor is supreme above everybody. When you come to church, no matter who it is you have business with, put your phone off. You are into honor God. Am I communicating here? Because every time we exalt people above God, God is not pleased with that. It says, beside me, you should have no other gods. That's what the Bible says. It says, why have you decided to honor your children above me? Why? Why have you decided to honor a business partner above me? Why have you chosen these guys over me? Then look at what the Bible says. To make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Verse 30. Now look at this. Therefore, that said the Lord of Israel. I said indeed. Now please, this is a change. I said indeed that your house and the house of your father will walk before me forever. But now, the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, I will lightly esteem. Did you see that? Praise God. God changed his mind. God changed his mind. And it was because of this honor. God's honor. God's honor. God's honor. He says, those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, I will lightly esteem. That's critical. God's honor is exclusive. Somebody say, God's honor is exclusive. Say, God's honor is exclusive. In fact, in the book of Isaiah 42, verse 8, it says, God will not franchise his glory. It says, I will not franchise my glory. Isaiah 42. If you are looking for God's honor, he doesn't sell it by franchise. Look at that. It said, I'm God. That's my name. I don't franchise my glory. You can also say, I don't franchise my honor. Number two, man's honor. The second person on the roll is man. And you know why man is next person? Because God made man in his image after his likeness. Do you know that in God's eyes, we are of greater value than angels? Am I communicating somebody at all? Let me ask the question again. Do you know you are of greater value to God than angels? Do you know? The Bible says he has crowned you with glory and honor. You are valuable to God. Somebody say, I'm of value to God. Never allow Satan to beat yourself, beat you down, and make you feel inadequate or worse off as if you don't qualify. You are of great value to God. Man must be honored. And listen, man must be honored not because of maybe some exceptional things they do, but because a man is made after the image of God, good or bad. And I'm talking about everybody. This is universal honor. Every man deserves honor. Even the criminal. That's why when you arrest a criminal, you don't kill him. You don't lynch him right away. When you do that, you are dishonoring someone God made. You are destroying God's image. Send them to court. Let the law have its own course. Africans will just kill you in a minute. They kill you. And by the time we realize that you are not the thief, you are dead. Man's honor. You must honor every man. Somebody say every man. And I'm not using it in the sense of gender. I'm using it in a generic sense. Man, I say every human being deserves honor. Somebody say every human being deserves honor. That means that your house girl deserves honor. 
That means your houseboy deserves honor. Anybody that is a human being, the poor man deserves honor, the rich man deserves honor, the cripple deserves honor, everybody deserves honor. Am I communicating somebody here? It's so critical. It's so critical. I mean, imagine that in the house of Naaman, if servants were not on it, there is no way Naaman would have been healed. The answer to Naaman's health was in the hands of their house girl. And so if they had been shouting, insulting, uh, uh, and calling her all sorts of names, <laughs> she knew the answer and she would have died with the answer. Naaman would have died a leper. Meanwhile, her answer was by her side. The reason why sometimes we lose valuable things God has given to us is simply because we don't walk in honor. When you walk in honor, things that you are looking for, you will see that they are close by you. They are close by you. His healing was not in Jerusalem. His healing was not in Samaria. His healing was right in his house. He just needed the person to give him the right information. And that information, the person who had it, he didn't have a degree. Didn't speak fine English. Didn't know how to use perfume. Had never walked into any boutique or whatever. But she had the answer. I don't know who has your answer. And sometimes we lose a lot of precious things because somebody, he may be a cleaner in the office. But he may have the answer to the next job that will promote you. He may have the answer to the next job where you earn much more. Am I communicating here? Learn to honor people. Don't look at people and despise them. That's number two. Every man deserves honor. Number three is your parents. Somebody say my parents. Say my parents. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Then he says, honor your father and your mother. Look at that. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Look at verse 3. That it may be well with you. That it may be what? Well with you. How many of us want it to be well with us in life? It should be well with you. And listen, by the way, if it is not well with you, don't live long. <laughs> I'm not complicated. If life is beating you, it's better you go early. The Bible says, so wellness comes before long life. He said that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. When life is well, you don't feel like dying. There are people who are in a hurry to go to heaven because they think that the answer is in heaven. They think that, oh, when we go to heaven, in the sweet by and by, we shall walk in the beautiful shore, in the sweet. Listen, we are on earth to rehearse for that place. So if the rehearsal you are failing, you may fail there. Learn to excel here and do it here. That it may be well with you. Honor, when you walk in honor. I do believe that there is no man under my voice today who has a problem with your mother or your father. Because that may be your number one reason why life is beating you so hard. That may be the only reason why. You don't seem to be making progress. Almost everything you put your hand on. Because there is something your father did, you have held it against him. Your mother did, you've held it against her. And there is no way. And you know, Satan is just using it to take advantage of you. I said it in the first service. The greatest thing your father can give you is not a good education. No. Good education is great. But the greatest blessing they can give you is their blessing from their heart. The goodwill. The man Jacob. All the father gave him and made the difference in his life, made him a mighty nation, was a blessing. When Jacob was leaving his father's house, he didn't carry anything, just a staff. When you go to Genesis, go and read it. He went with the staff, but when he came back, he returned with huge blessings. 
Huge blessings. Why? Because the father had pronounced blessings on his life. Listen, sometimes we happen to have bad fathers. It's not by anybody's fault that you had a bad father or a bad mother. But understand that if they have, just like you are feeling that if you had a choice, you would not have chosen them. They also, if they had a choice, and they really had. Yeah, because you never had that choice, but they had. They had the choice to have decided to make you their child or to put you as a trash in a bin. But they chose out of the fear of God and reverence to keep you alive. Many things went on. Sometimes we don't know. That's why God doesn't give any excuse and no reason. He says, honor your father and your mother. He didn't say when they are good. He didn't say when they buy you a land. He didn't say when they set you up. Honor them. Somebody say honor them. them. Period. That's all. Honor them. Honor them. One day, somebody's father misbehaves. And he misbehaves really bad. Really bad. And then one of the children decided he's going to mess up. What happened? You won't like it. It will not happen to you. I said it will not happen to you. Now, Genesis chapter 9 verse 18 to 27. Let me just walk you through briefly. These were the three sons of Noah. And from these, the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to become a farmer and planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk. And became uncovered in his tent. Somebody say in his tent. He was uncovered but he was in his tent. And look at that. The Bible says. And Ham the father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his. And. 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 One of the things people who understand honor. They know what to say and what not to say. It's not everything we see we talk about. If you are going to rise up. And become very prominent and dine with the great and giant. One of the first things you must learn to control is your tongue. It's your tongue. It's your tongue. If you don't have control over your tongue, you have lost control over your life. That's what the Bible said. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the food thereof. Even Jesus, who is holy, there were things his disciples saw. He told them, don't tell anybody. Just keep it. So sometimes the things we have to keep secret, they are not necessarily bad, but you must learn to control your tongue. When to speak, when not to speak. What to say, what not to say. It's so important. That's what David prayed. He said, Lord, set a watch over my mouth and keep the door of my lips. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your heart. Praise God. He went and told it. Brothers outside, look at verse 23. But Sham and Japheth took a garment I will come and teach on this again. Laid it on their shoulders, went backward and covered the nakedness of their face. Their faces were turned away. So they carried cloth like this and instead of going like this, they went like that and threw it over their father. So they would see their father's nakedness. When the father woke up, look at this. Honor is a very spiritual thing. Please, hear me and hear me. When honor is a very spiritual thing. I don't have time to do this reading for you, but I need to read it so you can see it. So, Noah awoke from his wife and knew what his younger son had done. Ask me, how did the man who had drunk wine and slept while both, you know, sometimes when somebody gets drunk fully, can't help themselves, they fall in the gutter. When they wake up, they ask, ah, but how did I even get here? They are actually wondering how they got, but this man got up and knew what had happened. Most of the time, when we dishonor people in our hearts, we think they don't know. I will teach on the marks of true honor. That's where it starts from your heart. What you are saying, because you see, 
What you do for a person on the outside is always based on how you value them in your heart. When you value a person highly in your heart, it will always translate in the way you relate with a person. He said, he knew what had happened. And look at the pronouncement, verse 25. Then he said, Curse be Canaan, a servant of seven he shall be to his brethren. Look at verse 26. And he said, Blessed. Somebody say, Blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of some, and may Canaan be his servant. The price of this honor is not worth it. Are you hearing me? I said, The price of this honor is not what? Worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. In the New Testament, eh, next year is an is amazing year. I'm just excited about next year. <laughs> because <laughs> it's like the whole ministry is starting from next year. Yeah, it's, it's everything, everything, everything. Listen, where you are in Christ now, Satan can only touch you when you allow him. Praise God. Please hear me and hear me very well. Where you are in Christ when somebody takes your picture and sends it to an idol worship and it works, it worked not because of God. It worked because you allowed it. Satan will always, he's so subtle. He will always find a way to get a place in your life. He's looking for a place. He's what? He's looking for a place. In the book of Job, he said, Satan, where are you? He said, I've been walking to and fro. I'm looking for a place to go and hide. So in the book of Ephesians, the Bible said, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him place. And things are tough for you. And you don't know the things you are losing. But it's not that. Of course, number four is the aged. Somebody said the aged. How many of you want to be very, very old? Learn to honor the aged. When you see somebody who is old, don't despise them, respect them. They may not have everything you have, but learn to respect them. That's what the Bible says. He says, show respect for old people and honor them. Show respect for old people. The good news version. Leviticus 19 verse 32. Show respect for old people and honor them. Reverently obey God. In fact, I like the New Living Translation. As for the New Living Translation, it looks like they wrote it for us in African context. <laughs> he says, stand up in the presence of the elderly. One of those days where when an elderly person entered, we all stood up. Today, another can be standing and the child is seated. A child is seated. They are competing for a place to sit. Honor is gone. Honor is gone. In the book of First Timothy, Paul was speaking to the pastor of the church and he says, don't talk to elderly people anyhow. He wrote it to him. First Timothy 5, verse 1 to 2. First Timothy 5, 1 and 2. He said, don't speak to elderly people anyhow. First Timothy 5, never speak actually to an older man. You see that? But appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father and talk to your younger men as you would to your own brothers. Verse 2, he says, treat older women as you would your mother. Treat younger women the same way. Honor. Somebody say honor. Number five is your husband. The roll call. It's a long roll call. But we'll finish. Your husband. Somebody say my husband. Say my husband. If you are not married, may you receive your husband. Your husband. Your husband. Your husband. Everybody deserves respect. Your husband deserves more respect. Yeah, your husband. You have to respect your husband. Look at what the Bible says. The husband must love you and you must respect him. Your husband must love you and you must respect him. And sometimes if the man is not loving, it can be difficult. But you see, don't react. Respond to the word of God. 
most of the time we have problems. Our problems really begins when instead of responding to the word of God, we begin to react to situations as they are happening. Like for instance, the Bible says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. But somebody makes you angry and you feel like giving it to him real hard. The natural reaction is to give it back to him in his own quen, good measure, pressed down, shaking together. Give it to him. That is the natural response. But the godly response is to overlook the matter. And it can be very difficult. It can be very tough on your flesh because your mind will be telling you, you are not a fool. You are smarter than this. You are worth much more than this. But you see, when we go the way of our flesh, we cannot fulfill the righteousness of God. And all the time you realize that you will always do something that when you are done, you are not pleased you did. So honor. Number six, widows. Somebody say widows. Widows. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 3. 1 Timothy 5 verse 3. Widows must be honored. Honor widows who are really widows. There are some widows who are not really widows. Do you want to know widows who are not really widows? The Bible talks about them. There are, it says, honor those widows who are really widows. Verse 4, let's look at it. Let's really look at the widows who are really widows. If any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now listen, he says, honor widows who are, and in this context, when he was talking about honoring widows, he was talking about making sure that they are helped, their upkeep is taken care of. Then he says, first of all, if any widow has children or grandchildren, they shouldn't be considered. Their children should take the responsibility of taking care of them. Now go to verse 5. He says, now see who is really a widow. Which widow are we supposed to honor? Those who are really widows. Who is really a widow? One who is left alone and trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. In other words, before we honor the widow, we should go and stand behind her window between 12 midnight and 4 a.m. And listen, whether she's praying for the church, whether she's praying for people. Am I communicating? That's what he said. He said, continues in prayers night and day. Night and day. Not a widow who continues in gossip. Because some of them can be serious. In fact, in the early church, oh, it was very, very terrible. The gossips. Go to verse 6. <laughs> this, he said, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Verse 7. These things command that they may be blameless. Verse 8. He says, But if any man does not provide for his own house, go to verse 9. Do not let a widow under 60 years be taken into the number. So he's still giving you the criteria for the widows who are really widows. If you are under 60, you are not part. Your hormones are still active and alive. Go and marry. That's what he's saying. No, that's what he's saying here. You are not part. 60 and above. Menopause, fine. You are, you, we, can, we can work with you. But he says, the widows that should be helped should be 60 years and above. And not unless she has been the wife. And she, he's even making the, the this in tight. <laughs> can you see it? It's becoming tight. So if you're a widow and you thought that, hey, when we close, Papa, I'm coming to see you. Check the list there. <laughs> Praise God. The scriptures are just a side thing. He says, do not let a, a widow be taken under 60 years old. He says, and unless she has been the wife of one man. That means you must not be a woman who has married two men before. You are because, <laughs> hey, Apostle Paul was one Verse 10, well report 
He's not finished. Oh. If I continue, we will not finish. Let me just leave it. When you go read, he said, he must be well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lost strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. That's the widow you have. Go to verse 11. But refuse the younger widows for when they have begun to was wanting against Christ, they will desire to marry. Verse 12, he says, <laughs> he said, having domination because they have cast off their first faith. Praise God. Number seven, fathers. Somebody say fathers. You must learn to honor fathers. You must learn to honor fathers. In the book of 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15, 1 Corinthians 4, 15, he said, for though you have 10,000 instructors, look at this, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15, for though you have 10,000 instructors, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Somebody say begotten. begotten. Say begotten. begotten. Yeah. A father is someone from whom you are begotten. That's a father. He begot you. A father is a source, life source. Your career started from a father somewhere. Maybe today you run your own office, but you started somewhere. Praise God. And that person is a father. He's a source. Most of the time, when people rise up into success, they begin to downplay and dishonor fathers. You don't have to. You don't have to. Those who go far in their various respective professions are those who learn to honor those who are seniors. Praise God. If there are people, there are two, there are two ways really people seek to rise. One, to bring people who are up down so they can go up. That's very common with journalists. They pick somebody who is popular and they begin to say all kinds of bad reports about him because in the person's fame, they also become famous. And that is wrong. The other way, which is a biblical way, is to honor the people. Because life is said that the things you honor, they eventually come to you. If you learn to honor fathers, you will end up becoming a father. So honor, learn to honor it. Learn to honor fathers in every field. Fathers in politics. Fathers in, uh, what do you call it, ministry. Fathers in the gospel. Fathers in medicine. Every area. There's nothing that you are going to do that somebody has not done in a cell in that field before. So if you are wise and humble, you will learn from someone. And when you learn from them, you acknowledge that you have learned from them. I'm not communicating at all. Learn to honor fathers. Don't despise fathers. Your success may be bigger than them. Your exposure may be bigger than them. But don't forget, if they have not given birth to you, if they have not given... I mean, one of the people I respect a lot is my big brother. He was the first person who gave me an opportunity outside campus to preach in a church. It was in the church I preached for the first time. My other brother. I preached my first sermon in a church setting, in the church, Abuja, for the first time. When I told him I was coming to Ghana, that I, I needed to be in Ghana to start church. I remember he gave me $200. That time. That time. And I came. So, we may not agree on everything, but I honor him highly. Praise God. I honor him highly. Then number eight is pastors and spiritual leaders. You have to honor your spiritual leaders. Pastors and spiritual leaders. Pastors and spiritual leaders. If you're a member of the church, you must learn to respect and honor these pastors very, very well. All our pastors. They do a lot. They labor with me to get this work going. So you cannot. The Bible says in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5, Dear brothers and sisters, First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 to 13. No living translation. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders 
in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. In fact, when you go to 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, he says, count them worthy of double honor. Somebody say double honor. Double honor, double honor is only used in expression to pastors. Because that is the only work that ministers to every part of a person's existence. Praise God. Your teacher instructs your mind. Other people will touch your body. But the pastor touches your spirit, which is actually the control board of your life. He ministers to your soul and which translates into your body. Paul said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. He said, those who labor in the word, who feed you with the word of God, must be highly respected. Don't join people to criticize and speak ill of your pastor. And then you come and sit down under his ministry and expect to be blessed. It won't happen. Honor him highly in your heart. Then, masters. Somebody say masters. The next on the list is masters. Masters. And masters has to do with bosses. You have a boss. How many of you have bosses you are working with? You see, if somebody is sitting on a seat and you don't respect the seat, you will never sit on that seat. You never sit on that seat. Some people feel that they have to really make things difficult for someone. It doesn't work like that. Let me tell you, you can have a very bad father but or very bad boss, but if you handle him well, God will use him to promote you. God will use him to what? Promote you. God will use him to promote you. There was a gentleman here who shared a testimony of how God gave him, crowning him a year with your goodness, that seven-day fast we did. He, he came to the office to see me about, and this is a gentleman, the boss who eventually made the way for him to travel for the first time. That's a gentleman, the man has really troubled and tortured, but when you, I, he walked to the office, I told him, listen, promotion does not come from your boss. The last time I read, he said, promotion comes not from the east, nor the west, nor the north or the south. God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. And I have not seen anywhere where a human being stopped God from promoting a man who he wanted to promote. So I tried it, it didn't work. About communicating. Balak hired uh, Balaam to uh, prophet. It didn't work. Most of the time, you see, when you position yourself and you get the blessing, that is all you need. I really don't worry myself about who is cursing me. I'm very much concerned about who has blessed me. I'm not communicating somebody at all. Yeah, who is cursing me is not important. Who has blessed me? I realize that God has blessed me. And if God has blessed me, nobody can reverse that. I'm not complicating at all. So they are free to do whatever they want to do. But when you are not secured in the blessing, then you can be afraid of the curse. Even among them as traditional people, Abosun Fokra, when say Abosun Fokra, there are some who are more powerful than others. They know it. Among themselves, they know it. So when this one throws a spell on you, this one can remove that spell. But you know it's Satan, so it's the same thing. Yeah. But listen, never think. Sometimes when people live under bondage of fear simply because of some other things, element, everything that is trying to come against you is created. Somebody say it's created. No, no, no. Look, look at Isaiah with me. Isaiah chapter 54. Let me show you. Everything is created. Everything is created. Isaiah 54. Give me that quickly. Libra had said 54 verse 7, 15 to 17. Everything is created. He said, Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whosoever assembles against you will fall for your sake. Your amen is very weak. Listen, listen, listen.
listen, no, listen. I like it. I've never seen it like this. He said, indeed, they will surely assemble. So why are you worried? In fact, if they didn't assemble, then something was wrong. They must surely assemble. But he says, but not because of me. And whoever, whoever, whoever means whoever, whoever, I don't care the entity, whoever assembles against you, if they assemble for you, they are okay. But if they assemble against you, they will fall for your, they will fall for your, now look at verse 16. He said, behold, I create, I have created. Now look at this. This is where most of the time he said, I have created. I got, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire. The blacksmith, they are the people who produce metals. These uh, uh, local guns. Those are the people who work on it. He says, who brings forth an instrument for his work? I have created the spoiler to destroy. Satan is my creation. Look at verse 17. He said, now listen, this, this is how God is speaking. He said, the car you are driving are the one who created it. No weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. Now listen, God is saying the people who make weapons that they are going to use against you, I'm the one who made them. If I made them, it means that the wisdom they are using to make the weapon, I'm the one who put it there. And so I know what to do exactly to stop it when it's fired at you. Praise God. He said no weapon. Maybe you read it, you don't understand. That is the context of the text. The reason why you should have confidence and boldness that no witch or wizard. Not, you don't have to take my name anywhere. You are worrying yourself. It will not, I will not waste my time praying about it. It's not a prayer point. He didn't say that when you pray, uh, then no weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. He said, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you. That one. Now, listen, listen, listen. That one, he said, you shall condemn. That's the difference. There, you shall condemn. That's why your tongue. That's why I've been telling you every day, I want that through a road crash. Am I complicating here? I'm not going through a road crash. I'm not going through a plane crash. Some of you are too silent to leave. When you close your mouth, you allow your destiny to be closed. The Bible says that I shall not die, but I will live to declare the works of the Lord. Death and life are in the power of a tongue. Don't dream death and then you wake up and you are feeling sorry for yourself. No. That's the time to condemn what you saw in the dream. Speak and condemn it. Every tongue that rises against in death, you shall condemn. The Bible says, by the west thou shalt condemn, by the west thou art justified. I'll come and teach about the power of your words. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Ah, yeah, yeah. And I like this because I'll be teaching on this very soon. And their righteousness is of me. Somebody say, my righteousness is of God. Their righteousness is of me. Their righteousness is of me. Somebody say, master. You have to honor your master. Somebody has employed you, given you a shop. Honor him. Somebody has given you a place to work. Honor him. Don't be like the one talent guy who talk. You see, there are people who are always thinking evil about their bosses. If you are like that, you will never come into any position of prominence. Don't think bad about your bosses. Listen, you see, you simply don't understand that certain positions come with certain privileges. And if it's not your turn to be in that position, allow those who are there to have their time. Your own time will come. Am I communicating? Understand that. Understand. 
one of the reasons why sometimes people get into a certain stage in life, they are not able to enjoy that stage they are in is because they have talked badly about people who were in that position for a long time. So the moment they get there, their own words begin to condemn them. So everything they want to do, though they, they are legitimate, the moment they begin to want to do it, then the, what they said, they are thinking, people are saying the same things about me because that is how it is. That one talent guy, he said, I know you're a wicked man. Some of you go to your office, you look at your boss, I know you're a wicked man. <laughs> I know you're a wicked man. He said, you reap where you have not sown and you gather where you have. You can't be working with somebody. Listen, if that is how you are thinking about your boss, resign. Leave the place. Leave the place because you can't be blessed like that. Kings and rulers and civic authorities. Kings, somebody say kings. Kings, rulers and civic leaders. The president deserves honor. Somebody say amen. amen. And I mean an MPP president. Or NDC president. Or a GUM president. Whatever president is, once he becomes the president of a nation, he deserves our... He deserves our... So don't be a serial caller as a member of this church. You are dishonoring God and you are dishonoring the kingdom. You call in, you phone in, and you say all kinds of abusive words to a man who can bore you like three times. It's not right. You see, when we honor, listen, one of the things I realize that people find, people think that when you honor somebody, it means you agree with the person. No. When you honor, it doesn't mean that you agree with everything the person is saying. You are doing so because God says we should do it. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, the time you must honor most is the time where you don't agree. When you look at a wife, you see, submission is not submission when there's agreement. I'm not communicating here. If all of us want to go right, there is no submission about it. Me, I want to go right. You also want to go right. We just go. But when you want to go left and your husband wants to go right, that is where submission comes in. Am I communicating here? Real submission is when you don't agree with your husband. That's where the test of submission comes in. That's when it comes. Of course. Number 11, honor one another. One another. Somebody say one another. Look at that. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above your, above your, above your. Now imagine, imagine for a moment that all of us came to a place where we are consciously looking for opportunities to honor one another above ourselves. Then we can say we have a culture of honor. That is where I look forward to see this church come to. Where everybody who enters here would smell and feel honor. Praise God. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's my ultimate desire and goal. And then, of course, finally, it's nature. Somebody say nature. nature. We need to honor nature. All our rivers are gone. We've finished all of them. Finished all of them. There is no land now that is not for sale. <laughs> I'm telling you. Even Gotha, if you make a mistake, people will sell it now. <laughs> if town and county probably don't watch it, they will sell it now. No, no. That's why we are flat all over. You see, sometimes when people are praying about stuff, I just watch them and I laugh. God gave you a beautiful world. You have used your own attitudes and bad practices to destroy it. And then you are praying for rains. No. If we had enough forest, there will be rains. Am I communicating here? Yeah, there will be rains. 
if the rivers were allied properly, they won't be flat. If they had a place to pass, they won't be flat unnecessarily. Am I communicating here? It's important. It's important. You, your, your close environment, where you are, when you drink water, you just drop it. Then when you pass through town, the place that, hey, and I can tell you if you say, you've forgotten when you were walking around Bantama, you dropped the sachet water. That's it. All of us are guilty in one way or the other. Listen, nobody can create a better world for us than the one we choose to create for ourselves. No one. No one. No one can make Africa better than us. No one. And nobody actually is interested in making that for us. That's why it's not so. All of us must accept responsibility. That I am going to play my part, you play your part. And most of us, listen, I think one of the greatest challenges is that we, we get wearied so much because you think you are doing your part and others are not doing their part, so let's join them. But that's not the spirit of excellence. A person with an excellent spirit does not join people to do the wrong thing. Even if he is the only person who will do the right thing, he will do it. Because that is a mark of an excellent spirit. I pray that we will become people of honor. In the mighty name of Jesus. That everywhere we go, people will see us and know that we are men and women of honor. May the grace of God rest upon your life. May the wisdom of God be your portion. In the name of Jesus, you are blessed. Pastor Afakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Afakwa, please call 540 or email us at faithhousechapeladiahu.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. Our first service, 638 a.m. to 8 a.m. Our second service 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. God richly bless you.